All right, all right. We're back to the podcast. This is another podcast that we're doing on location. The last podcast with Dr. David was actually done in, what was the last one with Dr. David? I think it was. It was done in Maui. And this one is being done from Austin, Texas. Uh, I'm here for a conference. Uh, it's called, what was it called, Daniel? The Exponential. Exponential Conference. I'm here with my brother, Pastor Daniel Robinson, who's pastor of Grace First Community Church here in Austin, Texas, and came down with uh, our denomination to uh, go to a conference. It was about church planning. It was about, uh, it, it had some great stuff about just how to how to create an environment where we're really building up leaders and 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 pouring into to new leaders and, and new folks and discipling and and seeing things uh, really happen for the king. And so that was a great opportunity for us for Hero our church. Hero makers. Hero makers. Yeah, yes. that's what it was called. Yeah. Um, and so y'all are going to be heroes if you're at Acts Church or Grace First Community Church or, or several of the other churches. We had uh, several other pastors, Levi Smith from up in Alaska um, and some other guys. Uh, but Dominic from yeah, Dominic Dom- Valero out of Kyle Texas, Kyle, Texas, Bob Ellis out of San Antonio. Yeah, so a bunch of guys that were there and girls who were there uh, for that conference. And so. That was fun, and so we're going to uh, record this. I'll be back tomorrow if you're, well, if you're listening to this, I don't know. I'll be back on Friday, so I'll be at church on Sunday. Don't don't be missing church on Sunday. Um, if you're listening to this on, what is it, the 25th today? 25th today. So you'll probably hear this maybe the 26th. Anyway. And if you listen to this six months from now, you're very confused. Yeah, if you listen to it six months from now, I'll probably, I'll probably be at church that next Sunday. So um, anyway, we this last Sunday we talked about you know, we're in, the, we're in the Dear Skeptics thing. Let me introduce for a second before I get started. Uh, my brother, Daniel Robinson, um, he is he has been a pastor here, uh, lead pastor at Grace First Community Church for how, how long has been? Three years? Three and a half years. Okay, three and a half years. And um, Grace First is down here in Austin, Texas. It's a church that, let's just say it, it had some issues and, and they brought Daniel in um, and it's been a work in progress to sort of... Uh, see it go from maybe some some unhealthiness to maybe some more health and um that can happen sometimes in any group of folks and just trying to 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 keep moving forward and so uh but yeah daniel you want to you were actually uh, a pastor with our church it wasn't axe church at the time but it was uh you were with pastor dave not pastor david which is me or dr david which you know if you listen to the last podcast don't get confused, but uh, Pastor Dave's church over at Living Word Fellowship, you were there for, how long were you there? Uh, we were there for f- six years, seven years. Okay. Yeah. So Pastor Daniel was over there. He did music. He did youth and young Yeah, adults. music, youth, young families. Um, covered the pulpit when Pastor Dave was unable to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he did all that for the, for the church. So some of you from Axe Church know Pastor Daniel. Um, and for those of you who don't, he is my younger brother. If you listened to the last sermon, which I hope that you did, he is also the person who threw a Bible in my face and um, tried to destroy my looks, uh, which he was unsuccessful at doing. Um, and that's why we do podcasts, because of how handsome we are. We have, right? we, I have a great face for <laughs> yeah, radio. We have great faces for radio, so that's why we do that. Uh, it's a family trait. Um, and so, yeah, it was. Uh, he's the guy who did it, so if you know, pray for him. That he would learn to uh, control his temper and, you know, just those kinds of things. So it is difficult, you know, uh, when someone attacks you so viciously as David did um, with the word. You know, all you know how to do is, is respond with the word. That's which sharp we might get as into a, today. Sharp as a double edged sure. sword and yeah. it pierced flesh right into the back of your arm, mm-hmm. as I recall, um, and then pierced my face. That's so, uh, 
Yeah, so the word is, is powerful for that reason. So we talked on Sunday uh, about Scripture, and, and we've done, you know, back in the, in the past, uh, we did a, a series called Skeptics Forum. This was back in 2016, and I did a message on, uh, so where's the Bible coming from in terms of, uh, it's what we would call its transmission. So when it was written down, at some point it was actually written on paper, and how do we know that what we have now is accurate to what was written on paper when it was first written down and I went through all of that kind of stuff uh, <coughs> oh excuse me how it how it came to us <coughs> sorry about that get that uh, yeah that's a <laughs> try to catch that out later uh, how it came to us how it uh, um, how it flowed from you know the first century to now or even or even well before that in the Old Testament to now and and I'm not going to go into all that now but there's you know there are questions for people about that well is this like a game of telephone where you know I whisper in Daniel's ear you know something and then he goes and whispers in someone else's ear something and they and by the end it's some crazy different thing well no that's not how it worked and we have really really good reasons to believe that what we have now is reliably uh, what was written down by the the authors, by the writers of Scripture, the Holy Spirit the author of Scripture, but by the writers of Scripture um, at the time. And so we talked about that. We talked about how the books of the Bible were chosen. You can watch the Discovery Channel or read the Da Vinci Code and hear about how there's all these Gospels out there and there's all these other things and the church didn't want them in there because, uh, you know, it threatened their power or whatever, you know, whatever their excuse is. The fact is, is that the, the books, you know, particularly when we talk about the Old Testament has been a closed canon for a long time. But the New Testament, uh, you know, these these books were being used by the church largely without really much dissension for a long time before they were actually even said, well, these are the books. And I went into all of that. And so if you want to watch that, that's it's week four of the first skeptics form in 2016. And I believe it's called something like the reliability of scripture or or something like that. You can check that out on seeking skeptics.com S E E K I N G S K E P T I C S dot C O M. Um, And we have, we have that series. We have the series from last year, which was called seeking skeptics. And we have the first five uh, of this year's dear skeptics. And so if you want to look at that, but this week, that's not what we talked about. We talked about inspiration inspiration of the scripture and and what does it mean to say that the scripture is inspired by God how do we know that what's in the scripture is actually what God was revealing to these people um, and there's a lot of questions that go along with that and we'll we'll get into that today somewhat and talk about maybe some of the theories and some of the things like that but you know let's start with the with the word uh, God breathe Daniel the the idea you know you think inspiration like respiration the whole thing has a an idea of, of breathing in and out the idea that God has breathed into these scripture writers uh, the the scriptures and and of course it is it is his it is his message in their uh, handwriting if you will in their words so he didn't it was not robotic so one of the theories is okay it, basically it's robotic. Uh, God is is basically taking their hand and making them write something, right? And right. so it's exactly the words, but that's not how he uses us. I mean, let's let's break away from scripture writing for a second and talk about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You preach more than I do. You 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 don't have a lot of other folks in the church that that preach, and so you preach basically every Sunday. Um, when you are preaching, 
Are there times either at that time or after as you're looking back on it or even as you watch maybe the video of your own sermon and see how things went where you where you can clearly see that although it's you doing it and you're completely in control of your own mind, you haven't been taken over like a robot, that clearly it's the Holy Spirit that's empowering you to to do that work. Tell me about that. Yeah, that's yeah, I, I would even go further than that and say it's even present in the planning uh, at times where where you're you're working through something and and you just feel like whoa, there it is, uh, and it's not an idea that you would have had, and therefore it was inspired, uh, and then let alone on a Sunday morning when you're in the spirit, when you're in that corporate community situation uh, that God leads you into something, and I, I'll come home and I'll tell my wife, I'll say, I had no idea I was going to talk about that this week. I had, I, that was not me. That was, that was something else. And so, and she'll <clears> say, if you would have prepared better, you would have known that you were going to talk about that. Right? I suppose she may have. Yeah. The, the point being, she knows that I, I, I typically stick to my script, as it were. And uh, so if something were to go off the rails or go somewhere else, it would definitely be because it was an impact through some sort of inspiration. However, as you stated, I've never lost faculty. It's not like I black out and I wake up 20 minutes later and say, what did I just say? Uh, you guys tell me what I just preached. I'm definitely Or at least when it. you do that, you don't think that's the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> at a, least I don't attribute that to a, to right. a God-breathed That's a medical condition. Yeah. Uh, uh, but instead I say, and, and just all in the same way, I mean, I could screw up an inspiration. I could be inspired to do something and then get in my own way with it. Sure. Uh, and, and then it's, 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 so there is something to, to that. But when the Spirit is present... It flows so much more smoothly, freely, uh, without preparation, without whatever, or during preparation or wherever, that it becomes very clear that this is not so much me as it is me being worked through. Yeah, so I, let's, let's I'm walk not through the writer, that. I'm the pen. Let's walk through that for a second because I want to be clear about one distinction. One distinction is we're not claiming that when the Holy Spirit works through you or works through me or works through us, that it's exactly the same as the God-breathed inspiration of Holy Scripture. Agreed. However, there are similarities in the in the way that the Holy Spirit works through a believer, Jesus Christ, and probably the way that Scripture was inspired, which is to say he used people who were being obedient to his will, and there was a process with Scripture specifically where God breathed in the content, as we say, you know, use the word content a lot these days. What kind of content do you have? What kind of content is Netflix coming out with? Well, you know, the content of the of the Scripture, what God wanted to reveal is there, but it was done through his servants, right? So let's talk a little bit where it hits people at home. You know, we're talking about preparing sermons or or giving sermons, which is one aspect of, of what what we do as teaching pastors and, and so on, but everybody is in this in the situation or should be in the situation where they're reading scripture, where they're studying, they're meditating on scripture. And that's a place where we know that the Holy Spirit is at work in helping us to understand the scripture, in speaking to us through scripture. And so they should be experiencing, everyone should be experiencing some some part of this. And I like the idea of yeah, that's not, I wouldn't have come up with that myself, or I didn't see that there originally myself. But but it's not like it came to me, it hit me on the head, you know, for it's not like getting hit in the side of the head with, or in the face with a Bible, as, as I've talked which to you, has happened. Much more applicable right, in this situation. Which has definitely happened before. But it's it's not like that. It's just as you're working, the, you, you're there with the Spirit, and the Spirit's working through you. And I don't want to over... 
overemphasize the experiential part of that, which is to say that all of a sudden you feel like you're floating and there are butterflies flying around you and there's like this choir that starts playing, the roof opens and yeah, look, if that all happens, that's that's great, although I would probably look into medication. Well, that if it doesn't, then it's not going right. to read because it did not happen. If it's not like that, that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit isn't working. It's as when you're sitting down and talking to, just think of the person who you're the, the closest to or, or that you talk to the most order. When you're sitting down talking with that person, it's also not like, oh, and there's all this stuff going on. You're just having that conversation and you're enjoying the presence of that person. I think that's what is happening as we're reading the scripture, as we're studying the scripture, or even as we're talking to our friend or whatever, when we're talking about the things of the Lord, when we're enjoying life, when you're watching your kid play soccer, if they're not good enough to play a real sport or whatever it happens. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Soccer people don't freak out. I just don't know how to play it myself. So I'm making fun of it. Um, but whatever, your kid's playing soccer, your kid's doing whatever. And just those, those moments of joy, those stabs of joy that you have in life where the Holy Spirit is there and there's the presence of God. If you're if you're there to experience it and to look for it, you you feel it, you understand it. All of that is what's kind of wrapped up in this idea of sort of the Holy Spirit working in our lives and empowering us as we study scripture, as we as you're in church, as you're worshiping God. It, it, talk, talk to us, Daniel, about your experiences or or how you've over time been able to um, more and more pick out or determine, um, have the insight, have the, have the what's the word I want to use here, uh, the discernment to know that the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. Let's talk about that. Are we talking just in general, in, in, in life, uh, living? Yeah, life just as you've gone on as a believer, as you've walked through mm -hmm. your life as a believer, so assumedly, I'm, I'm assuming here, um, which, as we know, could be dangerous, but I'm assuming that more and more you've been able to discern the the power of the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Talk to me about what that transition period has been like of you more and more discovering and understanding, going from, you know, those those stabs of joy in the Holy Spirit to a more consistent understanding and, and relying and leaning into the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. Well, it's, it's kind of a... Uh a scale that tips no, no matter what. The more that you stay in the spirit, the more the spirit is present in your life. It's something that catches both sides of that, of that argument. So when you get these stabs of joy, to, to coin your term, uh, that experience is so powerful that you go, I want more of that and less of what it is that I've been filling my life with that I believe is, is good or joyful or whatever. So as the world as you turn your eyes from the world and toward God, you see the glory of God through uh, your experiences, through your relationships, through everything that's going on. And you say, I like this, this version of me. This is, I, want, I want more of that Daniel uh, than of the Daniel who tries to drive the car and make all the decisions and, and do whatever. And so then I seek the Lord out even more and even more meditation, even more getting in the spirit. And of course the spirit flows and I get more of what I, as opposed to some of the false things that we have in life that are not God breathed, that are not the Holy Spirit. Uh, we were talking about this earlier today on our on our drive. Uh, that it's a it's a game of diminishing returns. Uh, you say, oh, if I if I could just get some more of this action, more trips to Disney World, more trips to uh, this, or more of this in some people's life, more alcohol, more drugs, more money, more whatever it is. Uh, the more you get, the more you want more, uh, and it doesn't it doesn't satisfy. Whereas the spirit has this has feeling of satisfaction. And when you feel that in the way that only the spirit can do, then you, you start to recognize it in your life. And you say, okay, 
now I want to pour into that even more. Right. So you have you have the side of the spirit that you're talking about where you're being satisfied, fulfilled, fed. Um, and and the scripture tells us clearly that, you know, you think about things like, look, you know, Jesus saying, look, I'm the bread of life. You know, I, you know, I've got I've got the water that will make you so that you're not thirsty. And where you want to talk about diminishing returns. Right? Right, right. So I've got the water that that you can have. And she's like, dude. I am tired of coming to this well, dropping this thing down. I mean, in, in, in her case, being out in public, being around everybody, who, having to come when no one else is there because I'm the one who everyone thinks is a whore, you know, or whatever, because everyone looks bad, down on me. And, and he was he was solving all of those things, not only the shame of her, of her past, which we all have. We're all that woman in, in different ways, but also saying, look, in me, you're going to find the satisfaction that is going to take away the diminishing returns, the chasing the dragon, the whole the whole idea. Look, first time is free, baby. But after that, you're stuck. You're hooked right. where, where we're looking. Because there's nothing wrong with all those good things you were mentioning. It's just that when we look to those for our true satisfaction, we don't find them. And so that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And the nice thing or the amazing thing, the awesome thing about God and His Holy Spirit is that you can never get enough and it's always enough. And so right. it, you know you you can you can chase the Holy Spirit if you will although he's he doesn't have to be chased he's right there for us as believers but all you want and it's always going to be satisfying. But let's transition from that which is I think the one aspect of the walk of a believer is recognizing because there's that time when you come to Christ when you when you first believe on him for life right and and you and you have that that forgiveness of sins that repentance that that time of just the shame goes away the guilt goes away you're in Christ and everything's new and he's begun this process of making you new and then those those experiences with the power of the holy spirit that you're that we're first talking about where hey I've experienced this and 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 that and so on and we and we want we want to see that and we get more of that then transitioning as you mature in the lord to the holy spirit as a source of power mm-hmm. in your life to accomplish the things that god's called you to do now I'm gonna I'm gonna throw throw it back to you here, but this time I'm gonna kind of give you a um, something to to rub it against, and that is this: as you grow in the Lord and as you move forward, He is building you because He's created because you started that process of making you new, right? You've been sanctified, you've been justified, you're already seated with Him. All that's happened at at the moment of salvation, you know, and, and you follow in obedience and baptism, and you walk forward with the Lord, and all that's happened, and now He's building you. There's a progressive sanctification. There's a progressive um, growth in the Lord as He does that, I think what you'll notice is in a lot of ways, he allows life to sometimes be harder Mm -hmm. so that you are now relying because he's now asking you to rely on him and trust in him. And as he builds that for you, like when I was a kid, uh, no, when I had kids, which I still have kids, but when they were smaller, and you're like, come jump into the pool to daddy, right? Just jump in here, and daddy's going to take care of you. And at first, they're scared, right? And it's not until they lean into that, and they go, okay, and they jump in, they realize, I'm safe. Mm-hmm. And then they're jumping, you're not even looking, yeah. and, you know, bad things happen. That's all they want. But yeah. then they're like, yeah, I'll jump in, I'll do whatever. You know, daddy, I trust you, I'll take care of you, that you'll take care of me. And, and God's trying to get that that experience with you. And so what he's doing is he's putting you on higher and higher diving boards, right? Yeah. As, as life goes on. And as that happens, as things get more and more difficult, you have to more and more live in the power of the Holy Spirit. You recognize that you, you get to the point where you can't go a moment. Right. Without relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, not just the joy and the and all of that that comes with the Holy Spirit, which is awesome and amazing, but literally you need the power of the Holy Spirit to move forward at all, because the Lord has allowed you 
has built you up and is making you strong in the power of the Holy Spirit. So now talk to me about that. How has, you know, you, you go from, from the life of sin, you and I have some, some similarities in our testimony and our story in terms of walking away from the things that we grew up with, understanding about who Jesus was and who the church, uh, who the church is and, and all of that, and then coming to the Lord a little bit later, in our twenties and, and having the Lord sort of, sort of bring us back to, to him and then grow our walk as you've done that from that moment to now, what has it been like? Has the Lord let things be harder and harder, made you have to trust him with bigger and bigger things? And how have, how has he proved himself in that for you? Well, so yes, uh, <laughs> it's hard to uh, follow that, but, uh, yeah, uh, he, that has definitely been the situation is, um, well, first of all, I would say things got really hard when I was walking without him as well. Um, there was just much more despair and uncertainty and uh, all sorts of other feelings uh, that happened. But when we came back to the Lord, uh, things actually turned around for us fairly quickly. Um, I had actually gotten a new new job in the secular world and, and some other stuff was happening for us. And as we leaned into him, as you very adeptly described, as, as we started to trust him, so, oh, man, you're really taking care of me. Absolutely he started to work on me. There's this old song we used to sing in Sunday school. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Uh, he, he started working on me. No, and don't stop. You're in, I, you're going, going. I, I was in the wrong key. Okay. Uh, but uh, so as, as time went forward, uh, that job went away, uh, the, the opportunities to get in. So then I was unemployed, right? So that's, that's hard. Uh, some relationships were broken. Uh, lots of stuff happened uh, that, drove me more and more into his embrace. Uh, so yes, uh, the analogy of going to higher and higher cliffs or diving boards uh, and asking you to jump again was absolutely, absolutely the way uh, that we walked. And it, and it drives us forward to, <clears throat> as we faced each battle as it came, we became more and more reliant on him because we knew that there is, there is peace, there is love, there is joy, there is all sorts of things. So it's not always fuzzies and warm cotton candy clouds and, and whatever, your favorite term, cotton candy clouds. Uh, but, but there is peace and there is, I mean, the fruits of the spirit uh, appear and you recognize they appear more, more and more fruit appears, the more and more you need him, the more and more you, you admit that you need him and steer into him and, and embrace the things that you, the joy that you're getting along with, with the sorrow. Uh, there, there's a quote that said, I, I asked God to make me stronger. So he gave me bigger things to lift. You know, mm -hmm. I asked God to, to increase my faith. So he put me in situations where I needed him more. You know, uh, that's, that's, that's exactly what it is. I do ask God for that. And he answers those prayers, uh, in, in interesting and difficult ways sometimes, which gets you to recognize even more as we get back to the, to the origin point here of, of scripture and this sort of stuff is that you start to recognize the voice of God, uh, a lot more easily when you're looking for it. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. I uh, my my experience is is also one of of uh, progressively growing in the fruits of the spirit. Of course, I've got a long way to grow still, but progressively growing. You know, I, I, where I can't even I can't even do the things. You know, forget preaching, which I can't even come close to stepping up and teaching the word of God without the Holy Spirit just ever present with me in that moment. But I mean, just anything, paying the bills, you know, trying to be a husband, trying to be a father, trying to do all the things that we just do in, in normal life, getting up and facing the day, all of those things, they just, they, they demand a closeness with God and a closeness with the Holy Spirit that if I ignore, 
I'm feeling it immediately. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just feeling it that I'm not, I mean, I got to get the Bible. I got to do my thing. Like God, no longer, my, my, my leash has gotten shorter and shorter mm -hmm. as God has given me greater and greater challenges and given me everything I need to get them. But the, the leash has gotten shorter and shorter. I, I simply cannot um, survive walking away from him. Um, and I don't mean walking away like I'm going into sin. I just mean getting distracted. From him. I can't right. survive that anymore like I think I could when I was younger in Christ where I could wander off a little bit and be like, oh, I really need to get back to it. The older I get and the, and the closer he draws me, the closer I have to stay. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's been, that has been an interesting and amazing thing. And it's what you want. You pray for it. God, don't let me get away from you. you know, let, keep me close. Keep me close. But then you also realize that, that, that the price of that is you better stay close or right. you're really, really in trouble. And that's what you want. You know, we were, we were at the conference and they played the song um, Lion and the Lamb. What's the name of the song? Is that what it's called? My God is Lion. That yeah. One. Lion, Lion of Judah, Judah et, cetera, et cetera, et cetera, And And one of the parts is, who can stop the Lord Almighty, right? right? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? And as we we're singing that, I thought, that is, every now and again, you know, you have these things, uh, mantras, I guess, is what Eastern religious people would call them, but, but these truths that I, I held on to it when we were sitting there. I was thinking... That's one I want just right there in, in the back of my brain, just playing as a on a loop for me as I'm walking through through life and the anxieties and the fears and the difficulties and Satan trying to come at me and bring shame or or the things, you know, my own weaknesses that I deal with in life and all of whatever the idea that we're children of God and that as believers, he loves us so much and that no one can stop God. And like, right. it's not about me. It's not who can stop David. I'm not almighty. Who can stop David weak and fragile? That's not a great song, right? But who can stop the Lord Almighty? Um, that is something that, that like, that's, that's it's part of this whole thing. It's part of God and his Holy Spirit and the power of, of what he, who he is and what he does in our lives is that, you know, this is the type of thing that, that will draw you into the power of the Holy Spirit is things like telling yourself as you face the things in life, as you go through stuff, who can stop the Lord Almighty? You know, those kinds of things, those kinds of little pieces of, of truth. And, and that's one of the great things about worship and about, and about uh, singing and song and so on is that it can get into you. They can get into, right, your, right. into your heart and your soul. And that's one of the ways I think the Holy Spirit works with us. Now, all of this has been sort of talking about how scripture came about. And I'm just trying to, I, I'm sort of backing out to like a 30,000, 60,000, 120,000 uh, foot view of what it means for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives so that you have some idea that these writers were like you and me in the sense that they're just trying to be close to the Lord. They're just trying to be humble and obedient servants and God and God used them and God and God breathed, inspired, right? The breath uh, of, of his uh, of his scripture, of his word came through them and onto the page and to us. And, and so just trying to like, I don't know that anybody has a full understanding, even those who were doing the writing at the time, I don't know that they had a full understanding of, of I would doubt that right. until, until we're with the Lord face to face that we'll ever understand either the process or the power of the word of God. But, you know, let's talk through, you know, one of the things we talked through was, uh, and I'm not going to go over it again because it's, it's, it's in the message. If you get a chance to listen to it, it's, it should be number five. Uh, can I trust the Bible? I think is what it's called. So, you know, go and listen to that. But 
We talked about prophecy. We talked about how, uh, well, we didn't talk. I was talking, but, um, I, you know, I talked about how how incredibly mathematically impossible it is that the prophecies in Scripture would come true if they weren't. I also talked about, from a legal standpoint, we have something that would that's called a statement against interest. And a statement against interest is like, if I was to tell you things that were negative about me, they're, the things that I'm saying are likely to be true because people don't normally say things right. negative about themselves unless they happen to be true, right? And so uh, we, we find find veracity, truthfulness, and things that are against interest. And we talked about, look, is Peter really going to let the Bible go forward with him denying Christ <laughs> to a little girl because right. he's a fraidy cat? You know, all these things where the disciples just look, you know, they, got, they put their foot in their mouth. They look like, you know, children. They've been walking with Jesus Christ for years. And they're, who can I be the greatest in the kingdom type stuff? I mean, yeah. this is going on for, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so the, the idea, the statement against interest, how scared they were, how they didn't believe, obviously, that he was going to rise from the dead. All of these kinds of things, you know, until he until he showed himself uh, risen from the dead. All of these things that are there, the power of the scripture, it, it's it's a self-attesting document. It, it carries in itself so much weight and power because of things like that. Have you have you ever gone through a period where you really struggled with whether scripture was true? Or have you pretty much always just found it to be true as you've read through it? What's been your experience? Right. So, you know, I may not be the best for the uh, skeptics side of things because I was raised in a God-fearing house with a father who was a pastor. Uh, I believed the Bible from the beginning. Then, before I was too old, uh, 10, 12, 14 years old, uh, our dad got into his master's pursuit and started doing creation versus evolution. Uh, and I started to understand apologetics and uh the proof, proof of scripture and can it be proven or what, whatever can be proven, can you prove it, etc. cetera. Uh, and, and that gained a, a great deal of knowledge in, in that way. And it made me want to pursue it more. Never in a position of doubt, uh, per se. Uh, there are not even things that were hard for me to understand. Uh, but as far as the veracity of the truthfulness of it, that was not an issue for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I've talked to plenty of people who it was an issue for, uh, we act, I also, at Grace First, we just did a sermon not too long ago about proving that Jesus Christ was real. And is there is there proof that he even ever existed, that he ever walked this earth at all? And we talked about the various ways we can prove that out. It's not a question. Absolutely, he existed. Absolutely, he died. Absolutely, he was seen again. Uh, and, and that's not just from the Bible. So we have all these sources for proof. And so, yes, for me personally, I haven't had the struggle, but I still pursued it as though I had. Yeah. The struggle, because I want to be able to answer those questions, knowing I don't have them. I have to go seek them out. Uh, yeah. And so in that way, and I still have yet to be proven wrong. Yeah. I'm waiting for the day. On anything, right? Uh, to, to this day. <clears throat> right. Right. Let's, uh, let's get Finish your wife down here and find and see, out. See how it goes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that that for me, I've never, even, even in my wanderings, I, I've never found scripture to be... It's not that I've never entertained the ideas. It's not that I've that, that I haven't uh, wrestled with the arguments and all the rest of that. Mm-hmm. I've just never found it to be um, really questionable in the way that some skeptics question it. I've never found it to not because I have some blind faith in it. Although unquestionably, I have faith in, in the scripture. I've I've just found it to be unlike anything else, unlike any right. other piece of literature, unlike anything that's out there. And so it's, it's not to say that if you were to see some irrefutable proof that there was some sort of inaccuracy, 
in scripture right. that you wouldn't entertain. You'd be like, oh, no, I, I believe it anyway, even though you can irrefutably prove it. Right. So it's not a blind faith. And there are things in scripture that, that I still fail to understand. There, it, it was, it's not uncommon for me to be reading scripture and to go to commentaries or to go, and not just for preaching, just my own right. walking through it to, to understand, okay, what is happening here and how does that make sense and, and whatever, and walk through what other wise believers, men and women in the past who have read through scripture and and uh, understand these things or understand the context of the historical context better so that I can so that I can understand things. There's by no means do I understand every word and every passage of scripture uh, perfectly, but I understand enough of it. It's kind of like this. If I find a person who is who's consistently always telling me the truth, right? And and I can and and every time they say something, it happens. I'm going to, I'll be there at seven o'clock. You know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I will, you know, and every time they're right, I tend to believe that they're telling me the truth, Mm -hmm. generally speaking, when they speak. Right. And so if they said something that was a little strange, I would rely on the million things that were not strange to help me to get through the thing that might be strange. And, And for me, there is some of that in scripture. There are some places where it's so clear that scripture is God breathed in 999 places that in that one place where I where, he, where I even struggle, even as a pastor, like, what, sure. what's going on right here in this passage? I don't struggle nearly as much because I recognize there is an answer for it. And usually, then I'll put my time into studying that thing, and I will understand it, and I'll get it, and then I'll be able to help other people to, to understand that part of Scripture and so on. Sure. Um, but but it is an issue for skeptics. It is an issue of, you know, you get this whole, some of it's just, I'm not going to say silly because I don't want to, um, take someone else's argument and and pass it aside as if as if they're as if they're not thinking well or something. That's not the point. But no. some of the stuff, this whole like you'll hear one of the things you'll hear is like this is some Bronze Age religion, Bronze Age book written by Bronze Age people, and blah 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 blah. As though the people who were around and the cultures that were around when Scripture around were completely completely stupid, no. right? They didn't know anything as that, a whole in right. their entirety. <laughs> Which is which is just absolutely historically untrue. Right. Uh, the the fact that they didn't have iPhones and didn't understand modern circuitry does not mean that they didn't. You know, the fact is is that we have learned a lot of stuff about technology, right? We got people are making robots to do things, uh, right. whatever now, and so on, and that's great. But that is not an advance in knowledge and wisdom. In the way, you know, we have not taken a, as, not, as much people want to think so, we have not taken a giant step forward in understanding what are the most important things to us, right? Justice, love, truth, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, the mm. fruits of the Spirit, the, these things, the purpose. Yeah. These things have, have had strong understanding. And by the way, they did have a more technological skill and understanding and scientific knowledge than you think. They knew that the earth was very small in comparison to the universe. They knew, uh, you know, that they knew all kinds of stuff that that people try to act like they didn't know, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, we try to play like everyone thought the world was flat just a few hundred years ago. And I know there's people who think it is now, but I'm not going to get into that. But that everybody thought that this is not true. It's just not true. We've known since since Bible times that the earth was was a sphere. We've known these things. We, they've understood these things. They weren't stupid. They didn't they didn't think that Jesus could be born of a virgin because they thought that babies could sometimes come from people who didn't have sex. Right. They knew that you had to have sex to have a baby. That was very well known. Yeah, okay, they not, understood how. Yeah. Why did Why didn't Joseph just go like, oh, another virgin birth instead of saying, I'm going to put her away quietly, right? right, right. Going to put her away quietly because the assumption was that she that there was another dude out there, right? Right. Well, there in this case there wasn't. The Holy Spirit was was able to bring about the birth of Jesus Christ, and it's because it was a miracle, and we. 
because it was whatever that it's such a big deal as where people try to act like oh they just they were just so dumb right. and they just thought that there was all kinds of magical things happening or whatever but it's just not true mm-hmm. it's just not true they weren't any more likely to believe in a miracle then you would be most likely likely to believe in a miracle. Your most miracles that people are going to talk about, you're going to be like, I'm pretty skeptical about that. <laughs> right. Right. Because the because the very nature of a miracle is that it shouldn't be happening very often, or it's not a miracle. It's just normal. It's right. just science, right? And so they understood. They understood all of these things. And so some of the arguments of the Bible's the Bible is not believable because they were so dumb, or they they had this totally different worldview about magic and science and whatever. And look, no question. There were people who were quote unquote magicians and so on back then. And guess what? There are now too. Yeah, that's right. There are people who do that kind of thing now too. And so there's there's the the understanding, the idea that the understanding has moved forward in these mega steps, you know, over the last couple of thousand years is just patently false. Some of the best philosophy and and thought that you can read is gonna be from the early church and the early church fathers and 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 has and has literally molded uh, the Western legal tradition, the Western historical tradition uh, that that we understand and that, that we now base kind of our worldviews off has been around for a very, very long time. Oh, yeah. yep. And so, you know, some of the arguments, my point is, it, are are based on a lack of knowledge, right? Yeah. And ignorance about the way that things really were. That's not necessarily a negative thing. It's just that when that lack of knowledge is supplied knowledge, you can't continue to, to hold those things out. The opposite of ignorance is education. So if the education takes place, then the ignorance can no longer exist unless now you are right. blindly following something right. despite irrefutable evidence to the contrary. And so. one of the things that we've that, that I talked about, I think in the first Dear Skeptics uh, message, and I've talked about it before, is the idea that when you come into this as a skeptic, and I, and I hope that some of you who are listening are skeptics and, and are working through these things because they're serious things and we take them seriously, um, but you've got to have an idea of what it would take for you to believe that say the Bible was true. What is What are your parameters for believing that the Bible is true? You've got to come into the the uh, discuss the discussion. You've got to come into the search, the seeking, mm-hmm. with an idea of what you're actually looking for. Because if you're just coming into it saying I'm going to deny that the Bible is true no matter what because I read this article or I saw something on the Discovery Channel, I read the Da Vinci Code or whatever, and and so therefore I'm not open to anything. I'm only here to be a skeptic. Yeah. I'm unwilling to be anything else. That's intellectually unfair. It's intellectually dishonest. And so when you come in, you got to say, okay, what I would need to see is this kind of evidence, that kind of evidence, the other kind of evidence, right? Mm -hmm. And I would say, make sure that the evidence you're asking for out of scripture isn't different than the evidence you ask for out of anything else, right? Because that's also intellectually dishonest and unfair. Mm -hmm. And then when you come and you're in the, and the, truth is put before you. Okay, here's the historical thing. Here's how the Bible came together. Here's how they chose the books. Here's how it's internally consistent. Here's how the prophecy worked. Here's how why we believe this is true and so on. Then you either have to uh, defeat, you have to have defeaters for those arguments right? and actually defeat them on true intellectual grounds or you have to accept their premise, their right. conclusion, right? Mm-hmm. The, the premise is the lead to the conclusion. You have to accept the conclusion about Scripture. Hey, it looks like there is a God. It looks like he, he did inspire Scripture. It looks like Scripture is true. You either have to say that or you have to say, no, I mean, this one you brought up, I can attack it this way, and that one that you brought. That's fine. I'm right. always open for those conversations. What I'm not open for as much is the I'm going to reject 
no matter what you bring, and I'm not going to reject based on evidence. I'm just going to say something like, well, we just have different opinions. Right. Don't give me that nonsense. It's, this is not about an opinion. It doesn't matter what I believe or what you believe or what our opinion is about Scripture. It matters whether it's true. Right. I mean, the scientific method, right? Someone's going to create an experiment, and they'll always start with a thesis statement, right? Here's what I'm trying to prove. I'm trying to prove that air is heavier than hydrogen. And so they go in and they put air and hydrogen in a room. And if the air floats to the top and the hydrogen goes to the bottom, they don't say, well, I just don't. You may think so, but I don't because I was only looking for hydrogen to be lighter than air. That's, I will not accept any answer except for the answer I was looking for. What kind of air? Instead, oxygen. We're okay. back to oxygen. Okay. Yeah. Oxygen. Uh, hydrogen is, is You air. just said air, so yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, fair yeah. Interesting. The point is, if you go in, you know how many uh, scientific advancements have been made on accident? That, sure. that, that they were looking for something else in, in an attempt to prove something else. They found the cure for this. Uh, if they were to reject any answer except for the one they were looking for, unless it agrees with my thesis, I will not accept it, then they wouldn't be scientists. They, it's bad science, they, right? It's bad, it's bad it's, science. It's intellectually corrupt so, science. And, and the thing is, is that for most people, I think, deciding whether oxygen or hydrogen is heavier or lighter, they don't. They, there's not a big stake in it, right? There's not a big right. stake hold in that. and so state. if they end up being wrong they should go okay i'll just flip it around because i wasn't living and dying right. i wasn't basing my behavior i wasn't raising my kids i wasn't i wasn't doing all these things based on whether oxygen or hydrogen was heavier than the other one and so because it's low stakes for them personally it's easier for them to flip up their hypothesis and change it and 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 have the theory go there are some areas in science where you see more of, and, and, and science has been, for instance, there's a book called The Devil's Delusion written by a guy named David Berlinski, who, who really attacks uh, modern uh, evolutionary biology, not, I mean, he attacks it somewhat on, its, on the basis of its conclusions and its findings, but he attacks it more on the basis of this ideological uh, connection to it that people have to where when things come up that would go against their theories and so on, if they start hold with them. the conclusion, then all data is going to is going to come to your conclusion, and anything that doesn't agree with it is false data or right. just needs to be looked at further. Right? They 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 demand to hold their conclusions even in the face of yes. that, which would suggest that their conclusions are off base, are incorrect. And and he he says, look, that's that is essentially a religious fervor, not a scientific fervor. Yes. Now, in the same way, when you come to uh, the study of the scripture, when you come to the to the questions about God and so on, you have to have an intellectual honesty about what you're doing, or you're not what you're doing is not seeking. Correct. Now I will admit that the stakes are higher about whether or not, you know, if we're just thinking about whether gravity works this way or what, what you know, okay, 9.8 meters per, per, second, per second squared is the acceleration of gravity, okay? I drop you from... But if we find out to be 9.7... But if we find out it was 9.7, am I going to freak out? I'm going to be like, no, I'm just going to be like 9.7, right? It's not going to be a big deal to me. But when I say Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you're proper and 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 the the correct and righteous and obvious response to that is to make him your king mm -hmm. and to serve him and to make him lord of your life the stakes for that are a lot higher right. than the stakes of of the acceleration of gravity and to being believe the things slower. that my father has, has written down in, in the word that's right to say no, to have... say to call him father right. to say i'm going to now my life is going to be about praying my life is going to be about giving serving my everything the way i'm raising my kids the way my sex uh, you know, my sex what, whatever's life, in that scripture like anything whatever just, that scripture is right. saying is now being applied to you go go to somebody and say look this is going to affect your financial life it's going to affect your sex life you're done right there either <laughs> one of those either one of those and it's like okay i'll fight this tooth and nail and i will not and i'll fight dirty i will not fight intellectually clean i will fight dirty in order to not have to accept 
this as I must true. defend the conclusion, not seek the the right. data that will give me the conclusion. I brought up a quote from, from an atheist uh, scholar, professor, uh, I don't know if it was this week or it was last week, you know, who's talking about atheism. And, and, and one of the things he says is, look, I, it, it, it concerns me, essentially, that there are so many people that I know that are incredibly intelligent who accept Christianity and who believe in the Bible and so on. He says, it's not so much that I, that I know that God is existent. I don't want him to exist. I don't want the world, the universe, to be like that. Right. And of course, because it has implications, because ideas have consequences. And if you accept that, that Jesus Christ is God, now you have two choices. You still have two choices. Reject him, right? Right. Or Which is make him Lord. Yep. And you have those two choices, and those are the two choices that are left to you. Well, people don't like that. Yep. They'd rather be able to say he's not real, and therefore I don't have to make a choice. There's no consequences. There's no, there's no consequences to my actions. I can I can be, quote unquote, they want to have their cake and eat do. I can be good, quote unquote, and generally do pretty nice things. Or or more more commonly, I can be better than the guy that lives next door to me, right. which, is, which is questionable to start with that you really are. Or at least better than the um, worst person I know. Or, or better, yeah. Eventually it's, well, you know, I'm not Hitler. Right. After only Hitler's, what's Hitler going to do? The poor guy, you know, he's, a, you know, he's the, uh, of course, and, and he was probably the most horrible <laughs> person ever. Um, but, but there are people who in their heart have been every bit as evil as Hitler has been. Sure. Um, and there are people living With in this less earth means. right yeah. now. That's right. Without the means to, to uh, you know, exact that kind of horrific evil on the world. Um, but the point is, is that, yes, maybe you are better than Hitler. Okay, great. So you aren't, you don't want to kill, you know, everybody that's not, that doesn't meet certain criteria and so on. Okay, great. But, but that by itself does nothing for you. But people want to say, I can do that. And then I'm okay. But the truth is, is if God exists, you're not okay. Mm-hmm. You're not okay. And and I know for some people this this really like rubs in the wrong way and sort of this Western, uh, you know, spirit of independence. And you can't tell me that you know that I'm doing something wrong or whatever. Let me just tell you, it's not me who's telling you. God has made it clear and has put it in your heart, or else it wouldn't bother you. Okay. If you told me that the Easter Bunny was real, I would I would say. No, the Easter Bunny not, is not real, and I wouldn't be. I want to get real ex- like worked up about it, right? Right. right. When people do the Pledge of Allegiance and they're like one nation under God, and then there's people who, you know, and, and whether I'm not making comments about that argument itself, but some people are like super offended, and and my thing is, you know, if they were like one nation under the Easter Bunny, it wouldn't offend me. I would just think it was silly, right? right? If I didn't believe the Easter Bunny existed, why is it so offensive? Well, it's offensive because the idea of God carries with it so much more and affects your life and, and, and what you ought to do so much more. And so, of course, as pastors, and forget the pastor part. I wasn't always, I've been a pastor for a few years. As a believer in Jesus Christ and knowing what he's done for my life, I implore you who are listening to this to take seriously the claims, the truth claims of Jesus Christ, and to take seriously the implications of those claims. And if you are not in Christ, if you have not believed on him for life, that you would do that. Because if you don't do that, there are serious implications for that. And when you get there and say, well, here's the thing, God, I was I, I was so concerned about living my own life the way that I wanted to, that I was unwilling to interact with the data, interact with the arguments. So I always just pushed the next, I always moved the goalposts, I always yep. moved the thing, I always made it so that they could never prove it to me, so that I would never have to deal with it. And, you know, you understand why, right? Just be like, yes, I understand why, because you're a rebellious yep. person who refuses to have anyone but yourself be God in your life. Yep. And that is not the place you want to be, because someday you and are That was not die. my design. That's not, it's, how I, that's not how I made you. It's not, it's not our design. And, and every day you And we all that. know that. Yes. We all know that in our heart, right? And so, as you're, as you're pastoring a church here, we'll kind of transition here for a minute 
you're pastoring a church here in in Austin, and you're and you're dealing with a a community and a culture that has some similarities to probably the Portland area, but it's got its own. I mean, it's Texas. It's got its own flavor. Sure. Uh, it's interesting that I, I made one of the things I talked about on Sunday was this idea of silver dollars up to your knee in the whole state of Texas. And then I came to Texas literally a couple of days later for this conference. And yes, it is it is very big. Um, so if you listen to the sermon, you'll know about what that is. And if you didn't, you don't get to get it. Um, and, and so you're in Texas, you're here and you're, and you're trying to connect with people. Do What do you find and, and let's talk specifically about visitors, visitors that come to the church. What do you, do you have conversations with, with many of them? What do you see as what people are looking for in, in, in a church? Because, of course, there's a skeptic, and then there's the sort of, I'm not a skeptic, I'm quote-unquote a Christian, but maybe I'm really just shopping right. for something in a, as opposed to what church has God called me to, where has he called me to serve and work and serve him as Lord. It's more what church makes me feel the most like I'm the Lord. And we have right? a term in, in the pastor's world for that, which is called a seeker. Right? We, got, we, got, we got seekers. And what is, it, what is it that they're seeking? And I think what you're asking is, <clears throat> have you found a consistency in, in what they're seeking? That- well, let me, let me put it a little bit. I mean, I would define a seeker in more than one way. Some people are seekers, they're truly truth seekers, right? But they're, un, but they're unbelievers. And so they're seekers, they need their, you know, the, the people would say, well, the way you deal with the seeker is you connect to them in this incredibly uh, um, relevant way and so on. And so we have this sort of the whole seeker sensitive movement and so on. I would talk more about somebody who know, actually, I'm a, they say I'm a believer. Mm-hmm. They're, not a, they're not a seeker. They're not like I'm seeking truth. They say I'm a believer, but they're a shopper. Right? right, so right. they're coming to church and they don't stay, and it appears that the reason that they don't stay is because not so much, well, this is not—I don't think this is the place that God's called me so much as this is not the place that had the right children's program or right. the right thing to make me feel served. Right, served or even uh, provide the level of lack of better word, entertainment. Uh, see, I, if I have to invest two hours, get. Get cleaned up, dressed up, get the kids all in the car, get them down there and, and be there for an hour and a half and then meet some people I don't know, whatever. Then I have an expectation that this is going to be just as good as when I go see the new Iron Man movie or when I go to a football game or when I do whatever. Because I, in, this, in this world we live in, that is how we spend our time. Our time is valuable and therefore we only want to invest it in certain things. So now I'm a believer. I know I want to go to church. When I get there... What I expect to have happen is not necessarily a movement of the Holy Spirit or or whatever. What I expect to have happen is for me to be cared for, for me to be entertained. The pastor should be very good looking, which is probably why most of them leave because they don't get that. Out of, right, out of right, right. Um, and probably the same problem you're having. Right. Uh, but uh, when, when a visitor comes, if they don't come back, there's usually an impression of this didn't meet X line that I had in mind as I defined what I expected church to be. Not I'm coming to, to seek the Holy Spirit, even though that might have been their intention when they got there, they weren't necessarily looking for the Holy Spirit. What they were looking for was comfort and, uh, you know, prosperity gospel or something. Right. Tell me how I'm going to get rich. Tell me how I'm going to get that promotion. Tell me how everything's going to be feel great. Good. Yeah. Make me feel good. And, and there's nothing wrong. Look, I feel good when I study scripture. I feel good knowing who God is and, and what he has for us and the plans he has for us and knowing that we're part of his kingdom and what that means and, and the invisible kingdom of God and what's happening the, and the church is strong as an army with banners moving forward throughout time and space and the things that are going, all those are awesome and amazing yes. and I worship God and I get, and I get that from it, right? Um, but I will say that for me as a pastor, I am more, um, I have a heart for all, all people 
but I, I am, I'm more drawn to someone who comes in as, as a true seeker, right? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. I'm a skeptic. That should they I'm find, they are rewarded. And, and, and I'm just looking for what's true. And so let's interact with the Bible. Let's interact with Jesus Christ and his truth claims, as opposed to those who come in with an expectation of serve me, entertain me, do whatever, because my, my whole philosophy on church is that's not what it's about. And that's not what you should be looking for. You should be looking for where has God called you so that you can serve others, not let's find the place with the best entertainment. And so there's some great churches. I, I believe in my heart that there are some great churches that simply don't have the, the money or the, or the interest in producing a service that is as entertaining as some people would prefer, but that it would, but but it would be life changing and transformational if people would connect to those churches. You know, wherever you are, and people who listen to this from all over the country, all over the world, um, at least according to our stats that we get yeah, online, exactly. right? Um, and so, wherever you are, you know, you, you know, you connect to that church that is that is the one that God's called you to serve not the the one that you're looking for to serve you the most. And I've been on both sides of this. I've sure. been a church shopper, quote unquote, before. Um, and, in other words, looking for the church to, hey, does this have a children's program that, that's good for our kids and, and whatever? I, I haven't done a lot of that. Um, but when I first went to Tennessee, you know, I, I had I went to a few different churches before I found the church that um, that we did feel called to. Um, and certainly you want to, it's kind of like getting married, right? It's like, look, you find the perfect guy, um, but he is extremely you're just there's you know he's got all the things that you're looking for except he's, he's real hard to look at like yeah. he's just extremely unattractive to you it, there's probably some level of attraction that you're going to have to have sure. in order for a marriage to be really really successful i mean i don't know i mean my wife's had to deal with not being attracted mm-hmm. to me for all these years so um but there's probably some level of attraction that you have to have um and so i'm not saying go to a church that is just literally makes you you know it's just the worst yeah, right I mean, you kind of answered your own question when you said we did a little shopping and then we found a church that we were called to. So mm-hmm. what were you shopping for? You were shopping for a church that you're called to, as opposed to where the, the kind of where you're going with this, which is looking for the church that makes me feel the best right. or, or that uh, I can get in and out and they don't pass the offering plate or right. wh- whatever they can. And they take care top-notch care of my kids and they get a free gift every week and right. that sort of stuff. You know? Yeah, I think that, you know, because we're dealing with, we're dealing obviously with dear skeptics, both the believers and unbelievers, helping them to become strong in their faith and 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 knowing how to give a defense for the truth, for the hope that lies within them, right? And why do we hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Why is that such a powerful, uh, why is it the most powerful fact that's ever happened that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? And what does it mean in my life? What does it mean to be his child? And what does it mean to, to grow in him, to know him? All those things, all those things are amazing and, and, and we want to grow in them um, for the believer being able to defend that for the skeptic to understand it mm-hmm. to to hear it for the first time but what's interesting about a skeptic is when they come to the Lord they come in the context often of a relationship or of or of a church or whatever it is and they're probably I do not think you would see the person who's the newest in Christ right who has just come to the Lord they've listened to you know a message they, they, the Holy Spirit has drawn them. They've they've decided to put their trust in their life in Jesus. The first thing they're thinking is not going to be who's got the best children's program. Right? Do I like the music enough here? Whatever it is, and, and I would just say for for the believer, take a note from the skeptic. You know, find the place th- that skeptic is going to say is what is being. Uh, taught here, sung here, um, you know, the, the programs that do exist, the experiences, the life groups, the different things. Is it true? Is it real? Is it of the Holy Spirit? That's the question they're going to ask. They're not going to say, how is it 
how is it providing for me? Right. right? Um, and, and God may call you, no matter who you are, to a new church from time to time and so on. But I just, I, there's there's so many people. My heart is for both the, the person who's never been in church, who doesn't know Christ and who doesn't want to, is for that person and for the person who's out of church or out of regular church, not really connected to a church, that they would connect, that they would get involved, that they would give financially, they would give of their time, that they would that they would press in and dive in and do the work that God's doing so they can experience coming back to the beginning of what we were talking about, the power of the Holy Spirit working in their life. Right. Because Christ works through his people and he works through his church. And, and your your connection to Christ is a connection through his church, his bride, and, and that's how he works in the body of Christ. And so those who are outside of that, those who are not there, take a note from the skeptic who comes to Christ, that person who you may have once been, and, and, and find your true love in Jesus Christ again and get yourself back into it. And I think about the struggles that you've had here in, in Texas um, as God's building this church here. And just, I mean, just kind of some of the turmoil that was there at the beginning, you stepping into that. And I think about so many pastors um, and so many people, elders and deacons and so on in these different churches who are just struggling to to make it happen. And then there are all these Christians who are sitting at home who are not even in church at all and who are, are disconnected. The leash has gotten long, as we talked about earlier. It's not a short leash. They're not connected to the to the church in the way they need to be. And how those these two sets of people, people like yourself and the people of your church who are who want to grow and want to see things happen in the community, and those people who are sitting at home and for some reason feeling like, eh, I'm not sure it's really working, that's a love connection. Yeah. Like that needs to happen. They need to get back in and find those places and fill the seats of the churches in this country and around the world so that we can together move forward in unison in one accord and actually and actually let the Lord work through us for the for the power and for the glory of his kingdom. And so um, that's all I've got for today. Anything else you want to share? Um, you know, say hi to your folks at Living yeah, Word Fellowship. Well, uh, yeah, oh, there is no Living Word Fellowship anymore. It's for, Church. The, the, the people at the church formerly known as Living Word Fellowship, uh, I, I do I do miss you guys. I, just, I hope you got a chance to listen to this and uh, uh, we pray for you guys all the time, and I'm, I know you guys are praying for us, and we we appreciate that very much. And uh, we we did not mention, so I'll, I'll mention self gratuitously that yesterday was actually my birthday here in Austin, and so uh, it turned out that David had this opportunity to go to a conference, and he changed his destination instead of going straight to Houston for the uh, for the conference. He came to Austin first, and uh, we've been able to spend some time together, which uh, hasn't happened a terrible amount in the last ten years or so because. I moved away from Portland, and David moved to Portland three months later. Yep. And so, <laughs> yep, I and, went uh, from Tennessee to to Vancouver, and you went from Vancouver to Texas at the same time. So, yep. um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, Pastor Daniel loves the the folks at Acts Church and and uh, and the Living Word folks who have joined us now, so that we're all one church in Acts Church. And uh, I know a few of your Acts Church people. Sure as well. you do. Yeah, sure you do. Um, and so, yeah, it's uh, I'm I, I'm glad that Daniel got to be with us today, and we hope that. This has been a blessing to you, and, and let's just close this in prayer. Father, I just ask that you would um, help us to see the truth of your scripture. Lord, for, for those that are listening, that are still struggling with what's true, working through your truth claims, Lord, I pray you would just um, send your Holy Spirit into their heart in a, in a powerful way to draw them to yourself and to your truth, help them to see what's true. Lord, none of us can see uh, by ourselves. We are we are just broken and mired in sin until you've made our spirits new, Lord. And so I pray you would regenerate and revive and transform uh, both the unbeliever and continue to work those that regeneration and transformation in the believer, uh, Lord, and, and just let us see your kingdom move forward. We thank you for the opportunity to, um, to for, for myself and my 
brother Daniel here to to just talk about you and and the things of you and and how amazing it is to be your child and and we just pray for for your love and for your grace uh, for these people this week Lord for those who are sick for those who are struggling for those who are in financial difficulty Lord who can stop the Lord Almighty Lord, I pray that, that people would just take that mantra and that, that they would just say to themselves, every time there's a fear, every time there's a difficulty, that they would understand that no one can stop you, Lord, and that there's nothing nothing that can happen here that can separate us from you, Lord. There is nothing, neither height, nor depth, nor nor sword, nor famine, nor, nor anything, nor any difficulty that can separate us from your love, Lord, and that the things that you have for us are so great, so amazing that, you know, eyes not seen, ears not heard, nor can mind conceive. Lord, the amazing, glorious, good things that you have for those who trust in you, Jesus. And we look forward to that day when everything will be renewed. But we pray that you help us to live a life right now, understanding and living that reality of your of your renewed kingdom. And uh, we just pray that you would continue to work in us. And we pray that you would be with the people of Acts Church and the people who listen to this podcast, wherever they are. In your name. Amen.